to the lost souls, the disintegrated spirits, the wanderers, the dreamers, and the seekers. Welcome to the Embodied Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle McGinnis. Our work in this podcast will be to foster healing, transformation, self-expression, creativity, and the development of consciousness. So with our intentions grounded firmly, let's settle in and do some integration work. Hey friends, happy Sunday and welcome back to another episode of the Embodied Podcast. If you guys are loving what you're hearing on the show, I would really appreciate it if you slid over to iTunes, dropped a five-star rating, or a written review. Those ratings and reviews help get the show organically into more ears and souls across the world. So if you are enjoying it and you want to share it with somebody who you feel like would benefit from these words, uh, I would really appreciate it. So in today's episode, I want to unpack something that I heard in an interview between Jungian scholar Anderson Todd and scholar John Verveke, and they were having a conversation about bridging present moment neuroscience and cognitive neuroscience in the Jungian space. And Anderson Todd said something that like an alert message came on. I was like, oh, pay attention to that. Something is interesting there. And he was saying that a confrontation with the capital S self is humiliating for the ego. And I was fascinated by that because Jung once said that a victory for the self is always a defeat for the ego. If you don't have a lot of context for what I mean by the capital S self, capital S self is really the totality of the personality that is inclusive of the ego within it, which is the center of consciousness, all of the unconscious. The, the self really represents this totality or this wholeness, this divine force that is, is driving in the Jungian world the, the telos of the individuation process, becoming in greater relationship to the whole while maintaining your own personal uniqueness in the, in the world. In that interview, Anderson Todd had a really great metaphor to, to represent what it's like for us when we believe we believe that we are the centers of our personality and that we are the driving force that we are in control of all of the dynamics that are happening within our personality he he's like you know it's it's like as if imagine if you were the earth right and you're looking out at all the planets and then the sun and the moon and you think that you are the center of the universe what happens when we start to do this inner work on ourselves is we start to recognize that, oh, there are other things out there that are controlling the movement of the psyche other than myself. So it's, it's like when you start to recognize that there is a divine force that is moving you in ways that are sometimes outside of your control, it's like the earth recognizing it's not the center of the universe and the sun recognizes it's the it's the main propeller of the universe. Without the sun, nothing else exists and everything goes away. In my personal opinion, I, I have some wrestling with the the kind of monotheistic perspective of the Jungian world in relationship to the capital S self. 
Uh, I'm doing some wrestling there because I think that sometimes it gets a little dogmatic in the fact that it doesn't leave space for other archetypal forces to be driving forces within the psyche. So I have my own little wrestlings with that, but I'll kind of save that for another podcast. But you see this really commonly in a lot of individuals along along their journey of doing work on themselves so they recognize that they're not the center of their personality that they can't control every single thing about their world no matter how much they try there is a force that is connected to whatever you want to call the mysterious destiny or fate of your being that is driving this and the ego is affected by that. As Anderson Todd said, that the confrontation with the self is humiliating for the ego because when the ego realizes, you know, Jung said that the ego is just like a, a buoy floating in the vast space of the oceanic unconscious. So our little center of the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see the world, the way that we see the inner world is just this small little portion of the totality of all things. And that, when when an ego believes that it's the center of the universe, that coming into the realization that it's not, when he said it's humiliating, I I was so interested in that because humiliating, technically we, we hear that and we put this pejorative description of what humiliation is, right? We connect it with, with shame and feeling really terrible about ourselves. But if we look at the word humiliating, there's some threads there that are connected to humility. That is also true when we realize that we aren't the center of the universe that is a humbling experience where we gain immense humility for where our position is in the totality of the universal cosmos of things and um i got interested in looking at the etymology of of that like the suffix of that like the h-u-m and h-u-m comes from a latin word I don't know how to pronounce it. It's D-H-G-H-E-M. That's where it boils down to in the final analysis. But it means of the earth and of the ground. And so we have all these different words, humility, humiliate, human, of the earth. And it's so interesting to me that sometimes what happens in our lives when we are when we haven't opened ourselves up into being open to being humiliated we create this construct internally where we think that we are the center of the universe and what that does and what that's called is ego inflation where the ego is basically filled with air to think that it is the center of the universe and it it is the thing so that you you think that you are the person controlling all of the things. Sometimes we see this unconsciously play out exercise addictions or eating disorders. We think that if we can just do the next thing or control in a, in a really specific way that we can manipulate the reality of, of the way things are. And 
this isn't to demean anybody that's experiencing any type of addiction or anything like that. But there is an inflation to that where we think that we can be the controllers of the universe. And it's interesting because that is ego inflation when you're getting all of these symptoms from an addiction and you're kind of spiraling into the pits. Maybe that's actually a sign that you're getting closer to the earth. You're coming down from that inflated state of thinking that you are the center of the universe, that you control all things, closer to the ground of reality, which is that you are just a tiny speck in the totality of the cosmic orchestration of all things and when we are being pulled down from that inflated state we do get closer to the ground of our being we do get closer to our human humiliation humility all of these words are very interesting to me that it, is, it almost is the pinnacle of human curiosity to understand that relationship, the relationship between the human and the divine. And oftentimes when we aren't in right relationship to the divine, we inflate ourselves to believe that we are the divine controllers of all things. You know, it's, it's interesting. I see this sometimes with, with particular clients. I'll be pulling up different characters from the psyche and I'll, I'll notice that my clients are really trying to interject their own story and not let the character have its own autonomy and what that I think it, it, it is a reflection of the ways in which we believe that if we keep all of those things in the unconscious at a distance then we can control them and they don't have their own autonomy. They don't have their own force. They don't have their own drive. They don't have their own personalities. It's like the subpersonalities aren't real. If we can just say the right things or position ourselves and like rationalize certain things in a certain way to make those things othered. And if we can do that to a certain extent, then we get that false illusion of control that we are we do have a sense of certainty and a sense of control over our reality and it's interesting because a few times in one-on-one sessions I've had to gently offer forward to my client that like listen I care about you I really you know I love you so much I care for you but right now this isn't really about you Because sometimes when we're pulling up these like lost parts that have been hidden and disguised and have been shape-shifting their whole existence through the unconscious, the ego really, when you get closer and closer to these parts that have remained hidden for a long time, the ego likes to get very, very controlling about the way that the part shows up and sometimes asking the client to step aside and let the part actually tell its story 
from its own depths rather than the ego story about the part. And one example, so with my one-on-one clients, I use this metaphor in which my client and I are in a theater and we're watching this drama unfold on a stage. And based on what's happening in their experience, we'll call forward different archetypal images whether that be through complexes or through the emotions that they're experiencing. And we'll invite those different archetypes, the archetypal images onto the stage. And it's very, very important that my clients know that they're sitting in the front row watching this drama with me. They aren't the ones that are sitting behind the stage writing the drama They are the ones that are the witness of the drama. And when the ego has to contain itself to sit there and watch all of these autonomous figures and emotions in the psyche just play out their roles as they wish, it's very uncomfortable for the ego. And I can sense that when my clients, when it starts to turn into when it starts to feel like they're watching a scary movie or something comes up that's very uncomfortable and awkward, my client will metaphorically want to get up from the front row in the theater and get up on stage and start to move all these characters around in a way that makes them feel more comfortable. And I think that when I can recognize that in them and offer the invitation of, well, what would it be like if, if we found safety and grounding as the witness and asking them what they need to resource themselves but allowing them to realize that they aren't the one that's writing the drama that they're watching they can co-create but they aren't the sole creator of the drama and then if that's the case then it's kind of this kind of disorienting experience well who's writing the drama well in the Jungian world that would be the capital S self in the point of working on yourself is to create a what's called an ego self-axis a relationship to that divine orchestrating principle within yourself so it is a co-creative way of navigating the world but when when we realize that we aren't the ones that are in sole control of this it is humiliating but not necessarily in the pejorative sense it is giving us the opportunity to step into the humility, into the human, into the ground of our being because that's what we're trying to do here with consciousness is to understand how to navigate this human realm here on this earth while also being in relationship to the divine, whatever that means. And if we can find that that just right way, then that offers a really meaningful way of navigating the world. So I just wanted to jam on that a little bit because um, it just really, that quote really reminded me of that young quote, the, a victory for the self, aka a movement towards individuation or towards wholeness is always a defeat for the ego. Um, so I hope that you guys took something away from this, this podcast as I kind of pull on some threads there in my in, own internal experience. But with that being said, I hope you guys have an amazing week and we will chat on Thursday. Bye guys.